Hey everyone, I'm Matthew. And I'm Ileana. Welcome to the Armory. This is a place where believers can be encouraged to live for Jesus and make disciples. We want to provide an arsenal of resources that help Christians to be bold in their faith. Our hope is that through this podcast, people will learn to love God's Word and abide in Christ. Thanks for joining. Well, welcome to this week's episode of The Armory. Um, this is episode 10, and we're talking about the Sword of the Spirit today. Ten. I know, we're in double digits. We did it. This is actually our last um, episode on The Armor of God in the sense that, you know, this is the last one that's there. Last one. We might do another episode in two weeks um, on the part that comes right after The Armor of God to finish out the series, but this is the last armor piece. It is. Which is crazy. We did it. Yay. Well, and that's it. We're, we're going to stop the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, this podcast has been great. Lots of people are listening, and uh, we really enjoy it. So we're going to keep yeah. going. We're going to take some of your suggestions you guys have given us. You guys got to send us more because we have a lot of things that we might yeah. uh, go through, and we also have – we want to hear what you guys want us to talk about. We need more suggestions. Yeah. But we're excited to start going, and it'll be good. Yeah. That was our challenge from last week. In case you guys didn't listen, or I guess not last week, our last episode challenge was to send us or a post on our social media an idea for us to talk about on our podcast once we finish this series. So true. We did. Do you guys have any ideas? Yeah, send them in, and we'll get going. Because in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a completely different thing. We're going to be out of the series. We're probably not going to jump into a new series. We're probably going to do some one-off episodes about different topics. Maybe. Maybe we will even Uh-oh. have a guest. A guest on our podcast. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Maybe if we can pull it off. Yeah. Maybe we'll take a raffle. Who wants to be on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> who do you think? Who do you think our first guest is going to be? Should it be someone famous. Yeah. Who should we ask? I don't. I don't know any famous people. You know more famous people than I do. Yeah. Well, Matt Chandler said he's going to be on our podcast. So <laughs> uh, look out for that. We did make some friends in Texas, but not any that big. Else. Just kidding. He won't be there. He won't be there. You definitely can't afford to be on this podcast because it's a waste of his time. <laughs> it's a waste of his time. It's not a money thing. He just he doesn't know about us. Anyway, we got a minivan this week. In case you didn't oh, see yeah. that, that's to our yeah, followers. That's fun. We went to the minivan life. Finally upgraded. Got the minivan. We're selling the Jeep. It is currently listed for sale. So if anyone's looking for a Jeep, it's out there. It's preferably who lives next to us in Mount Airy, so we don't have to. I don't even know how we would get it to somebody else. Uh, we, it's not like we give it to them. It's come to us. They, yeah. If you guys want we'll to drive sign out it. here. <laughs> <laughs> you, we'll, get, we'll write the armory. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll spray paint it on the side for you at no cost. <laughs> anyway, we got a minivan. We're super excited. Mostly because we are starting our family. As those of you who have been listening to the podcast know, Ileana is pregnant with our first child, who we just found out is a boy. Woo! So, boy life. Boy parents coming, well, which is very fun because Ileana's family, her side of the family is all girls. Yeah. All of all of my um, nieces. Her nieces are, all of her nieces, nieces are obviously girls, but she has no nephews. Yeah, no nephews. So. so we broke the mold. We do have the three triplets who are boys. But they're not. But they're not. My uh, parents' grandkids. So yeah, so this will be exciting. What would they be to you? Your cousins. They're my second cousins, but I'll kind of be like their aunt. I yeah, Sure. So, but we have boys a little are boy. So, um, we're also selling raffle tickets for naming rights to our child <laughs> while we're on the topic. So, you can send those in as well. And with that, let's start a podcast for the day. Okay. 
So today on our, kind of our last episode for this series, at least um, as the armor goes, we're talking about the sword of the spirit. And I think this is just a really good armor piece to cap off the armor of God. I think it yeah, sums up a lot of things. And I think it's just really important. I think it's something that Christians kind of overlook is this concept of the sword of the spirit. And just to be clear, just to make sure we're on the same page, the sword of the spirit is God's word. It's the Bible. And I think, you know, like I said, Christians often use that kind of as like the, oh yeah, I have my Bible, I read my Bible, or my Bible's there. That's the Sunday school answer for things, right? The Bible and Jesus. But do we really understand like the power the Bible has, why it's here for us? Um, And I want to read something for you guys kind of about the Bible, just kind of to give a little, I know it seems weird to say this to a group of Christians, but a summary of what the Bible is. And maybe it sounds weird, but we probably don't think about what the Bible is and what it's for that often. And so we love this resource, gotquestions.org, and I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes so you guys can see it. But um, I just want to read a couple things that this um, article has about the Bible. It says this, uh, the word Bible actually comes from the Latin and Greek meaning book, a fitting name since the Bible is the book for all people for all time. It's a book like no other in a class by itself. 66 different books comprise the Bible. They include books of the law, such as Leviticus and Deuteronomy, historical books such as Ezra and Acts, books of poetry such as Psalms and Ecclesiastes, books of prophecy such as Isaiah and Revelation, biographies like Matthew and John, and epistles or formal letters such as Titus and Hebrews. About 40 different human authors contributed to the Bible, which was written over a period of 1,500 years. The authors were kings, fishermen, priests, government officials, farmers, shepherds, and doctors. From all this diversity comes an incredible unity with common themes woven throughout. The Bible's unity is due to the fact that ultimately it has one author, God himself. Mm -hmm. The Bible is God-breathed. The human authors wrote exactly what God wanted them to write, and the result was the perfect and holy word of God. And then it goes on to say this, what is the Bible? The Bible is divided into two main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in short, the Old Testament is the story of a nation, and the New Testament is the story of a man. The nation was God's way of bringing the man, Jesus Christ, into the world. The Old Testament describes the founding and preservation of the nation Israel. God promised to use Israel to bless the whole world. Once Israel was established as a nation, God raised up a family within that nation through whom the blessing would come, the family of David. Then, from the family of David was promised one man who would bring the promised blessing. The New Testament details the coming of that promised man. His name is Jesus. He fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament as he lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and rose from the dead. And this is one other thing I just want to say, read about this from God Questions. It kind of says, what is the Bible? And this is the idea of who is the central character, right? Mm-hmm. All books have a character. Jesus is the central character in the Bible. The whole book is really about him. The Old Testament predicts his coming and sets the stage for his entrance into the world. The New Testament describes his coming and his work to bring salvation to our sinful world. Jesus is more than a historical figure. In fact, he is more than a man. He is God in the flesh, and his coming was the most important event in the history of the world. Mm. God himself became a man in order to give us a clear, understandable picture of who he is. What is God like? He's like Jesus. Jesus is God in human form. And that's just a little bit from God Questions about the Bible. And I think when I read that for the first time, I think it kind of made me step back for a second and be like, whoa, this isn't just a book that I have 
20 copies of like in our library right like in multiple different versions like this is life and death like mm-hmm. we say that a lot on this podcast like things are a big deal the book yeah. god's word the bible the sword of the spirit this is god's revelation to us right it's not a joke it's written by human authors but it's inspired by god it's the literal story of redemption told from the beginning of time until all the way into the future where we see things that have not even yet occurred um, and I think one of the things that's cool about this is it's designed to show us our desperate need for God. Amen. If you yeah. read through the Bible, if you read through Gen- from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you will see how God is striving to get the affections of man, and man is striving to find the affections of this world. Yeah. And God says, okay, we have to do something about this, and he sends his son Jesus. And we talked all about this on our last podcast episode. If you haven't listened to it, it's on salvation. It's the most important podcast episode we will ever do. Mm-hmm. I can say that knowing not even knowing what the future episodes will look like i know for a fact (laughs) if you only are ever going to listen to one episode of our show go listen to our last episode episode nine about salvation there's not a more important podcast um and that's the bible It's, it's it's a weird thing to think about how it's not just this book it's a book that's been preserved for thousands of years that's been uh written by many different authors as they were inspired by god himself and it's been given to us not just so that we can read it and so it can be encouraging and so we can post it on Facebook, but it's written so that we will see the revelation of God, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think I was reminded as you were reading that about another resource, the Bible Project. Oh, yeah. I think that's something that, like the creators of the Bible Project, Tim Mackey and like lots of other people that worked on that, they've created an app now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole point if I'm understanding what they do correctly, is that the Bible is one story from start to finish. Like, the Bible is a narr- Like, there's obviously different books like poetry and history and things, but it's a narrative story that tells us one cohesive story about the gospel, which is what you said. If you read from Genesis to Revelation, yeah. you're seeing that picture of one story. And so if you have heard of the Bible Project, maybe you've watched some of their videos, that's great. Also, look at their app. It has so many resources. Mm-hmm different studies you can do, um, just so many different videos and things that you can watch. So I just wanted to mention that because I think they've done a really good job about, of providing really practical, like material to get into the hands of the church to teach people. Um, and they've done a pretty good job. I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's a great resource if you just want to learn even a lot about one book of the Bible. Right. So if you're about to study the book of John or if like we have some people who are listening who teach the Bible to others, yeah. If you're going to teach it, use it as a resource to help you. So like if you're going to study or read through or prepare to teach like something like the book of John, for example, they have seven to 10 minute videos that break down the entire book. Like yeah. this is the message of the book. This is the theme. This is how the theme of that book is presented throughout its chapters. And this is how it fits into the overall story. It's of kind of like a new media way to do commentaries. If you're going to read a commentary, like, that they almost break down what you would get in a commentary in like videos and podcasts. And yeah, and it's it's meant to be very simple. Right? Simple, it's yeah, not, very simple. By no means is it very, very, very technical or like deep, deep, deep. But there is absolute beautiful truth in the amazing overviews they do. They're yeah. definitely like this is how this is the gateway into getting into something in, in the in the Word of yeah. God into studying a book of the Bible. The Bible Project is an excellent resource, and we will also put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So, yeah, we met, just talked about how the Bible is God's revelation to us, written by human authors, but inspired by God. It's the story of redemption from start to finish. Um, and 
it shows us our desperate need for God. Do you want to add anything else? No. No. So with that, why do we need the sword of the spirit? We kind of want to break down this, mm-hmm. break this down a little bit more for you guys. Um, so that's what the sword of the spirit is. It's God's word. Why do we need the Bible? Why do we need God's word? Um, and we're really going to be looking at two verses for this. And I just want to read them. So second Timothy three, 16 and 17. This is a popular verse that you may have heard before. And we're going to break it down. It says all scripture is inspired by God or God breathed. It's profitable for teaching rebuking for correction for training in righteousness and then 17 so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work and so why do we need the sword of the spirit Matt kind of already mentioned this but one it's God's spoken word to us it's inspired by God it's God breathed is what how most uh translations translate that and that's just a very clear under that gives us a very clear understanding of saying These are words that are coming from the Lord. And so even though I may be reading one of Paul's epistles in the New Testament, I'm reading it through the lens of Paul, but all of the words that are, that he wrote, the Holy Spirit laid on his heart through, from the Lord, from God. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if you have questions about like, how did that work? How do like... How did he hear from the Lord and then write it down? And was there somebody transcribing what he was saying? And all of those questions. Like the most important thing to know is that scripture tells us it comes from the Lord. We've seen that through history in the documents that were written that the Bible is proven to be accurate. And so we can trust what it says to be true, that it was spoken by God. Because this verse is saying all scripture, so all of it from Genesis to Revelation, is inspired by God. It's God breathed. So second, or one, it's God's spoken word to us. And two, it's necessary for life change. Mm -hmm. I want to read that part of the verse again. It's profitable. Some versions say it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So all of these things that take place in the church and, or should be taking place in the church and outside the church, um, scripture is profitable for those things. Mm -hmm. It's useful for those things. And because of that, we know that scripture is necessary for our life change as a believer. If you're a believer, if you have a relationship with Christ, the best way to experience life change in your relationship with Christ is to listen to and adhere to the words that God has given us. Um, Because we know it changes lives. It tells us right here, it's profitable for those things. And I think we just really, like, I don't think we actually believe that sometimes. I don't think in the church we are naturally thinking like, oh, scripture is capable of doing all of these things for me. It's yeah. it's like profitable to teach me. It can correct me. It can correct my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's helpful for training me in learning how to be righteous. Like, I think sometimes in the world, like at least in my generation a lot more i would say in our generation a lot more than others like we look to other things way before we're looking to to scripture and for sure that's something i think matt and i are really passionate about when it comes to like education for -hmm. children or just in general or like i'm really passionate about biblical counseling and i think sometimes the reason i'm really popular or really um passionate about that is because of this verse like do I actually believe that scripture is profitable for changing people's lives? Yeah. And the answer is yes, I do, because I have seen it 
take place and I know it to be true in my own life and scripture tells me it is and so I really love um there's a book the theology of biblical counseling it's written by Heath Lambert and in that he kind of breaks down what that means in biblical counseling like it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think like Christian therapists are doing something wrong or it doesn't mean I think that all of psychology has led us astray from how the brain works or whatever like those things are helpful but what that but what I believe when I talk about biblical counseling is that scripture is the number one resource that God has given us to change people's lives to change the lives of the believer Mm -hmm. and I think this verse is where we get that from and that's how we know that's a reason why we need the sword of the spirit because it does change lives yeah and and just I just want to think for a second like what would the church look like men and women in the church doing ministry um without god's word yeah like you look at this passage right all scripture is inspired by god is profitable for teaching teaching what like what what are we teaching rebuking or if we're rebuking someone or if we're being rebuked what's the standard Mm. for that rebuke where is that coming from this idea of correcting and training what are we being trained in what if correction is coming, what's the standard that we're looking at to make That's that good. correction? It's all the word of God. And the issue with looking at any other standard is that every other standard is malleable. It yeah. changes. Um, you know, even things, you know, there's a reason why um, books are written about things like, like let's just use your example, psychology. And we learn things about the brain and how the brain operates and how crazy it is that, you know, someone growing up in this environment in this way could produce this result. And then 40 years later, new data comes out that yeah. changes our opinion completely. That's just not the case with the Bible. And I want right. to echo what you said. Yeah, that's good. Psychology that's being done in a secular way is such an amazing tool. And praise the Lord that we can learn, we can find truth um, for people who honestly are not believers. Like people who are not believers are producing works of truth all the time but they're disconnected from the truth source, mm-hmm. which is a major issue. So as Christians, we have a Christian worldview, right? And where does that worldview come from? That's that's a phrase that we throw out, and that doesn't just mean, oh, I'm a Christian, so everything I do comes from a Christian worldview. Like, if you're a Christian and you're not, everything right. you're filtered is not being filtered through God's mm-hmm. word, you do not have a Christian worldview. Right. You don't just get a Christian worldview by accepting Christ as your Savior. Like, you need to understand, what does what do I believe about this ethical issue? Like, what do I believe about X, Y, and Z? Does that line up with scripture? That's why it's important. That's why it's profitable for all this teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training um, in righteousness. So there's just so much there that I think the church, like you said, really quickly um, puts to the side. Right. We would never, ever say the Bible is secondary, but we often live that way when we look at what do we look to first when we're struggling? Uh, what do we look to first when we're seeking that major life dilemma the question to this thing do we look to scripture like do we look right. to, to others who have been in, being informed by scripture and oftentimes the answer is no yeah and i think a really cool example of that is in psych if you look at psychology and scripture is the idea of like neuroplasticity in the brain if you haven't heard of that basically what this is saying it's like a secular psych psychological term that means that we have pathways in our brain that can be like rewired and rewritten based on like if we've experienced trauma in the past through therapy because our brain changes those things can be changed in our brain so that we're no longer maybe experiencing PTSD in the same ways we used to and 
the really interesting thing about that is like science finally has caught up to where scripture was with that. Yeah. Where like we finally have the resources in science to be able to look at the brain and analyze that to see that. But if you look in the New Testament all over the place, it says you once were futile in your thinking, like you were futile in your minds. But now like you have the ability to put on new life. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to think pure thoughts, like renewing your mind, renewing your mind, thinking about like, Think like about the what fruit of the most, spirit. Yeah. Think about what's like honoring to the Lord and the Holy Spirit in your life, like allows you to reframe your thinking. Like that's all over scripture. So I think it's just interesting that, like you said, what would the church look like if we actually had scripture as its primary resource? Yeah. And if you are not in a Bible preaching church, like find a new church, like, yeah. The, this is so necessary to your life as a believer. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what's the simplest way to put this, like, to make it very clear? Like, okay, I'm a, I'm a big car guy. Like, I love classic cars. My first car was a 1966 Dodge Dart. And one of the things my dad and I did when we bought that car is we did a lot of work on it. We fixed it up. But the thing we bought to help fix it up was not a 2020 Lamborghini, like, um, owner's manual. Like, that book... Would not have helped us fix that car. I needed a 1966 Dodge Dart owner's manual yeah. to fix that car. So as Christians, right? Like, what are we, what's the, what's the manual? What's the book? What thing are we grasping at to find truth for our life circumstance? Yeah. Are we looking at what, it, um, yeah. you know, psychology? I, I don't know why we keep going back to psychology. You brought it up, but. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. First idea. Like, okay, let me just do a, a pr- very practical example. Are we looking to self-help books that are written yeah, by non-believers? Pra- yeah. Are we looking for non-believers who have New York Times bestseller stamps in their self-help books to tell us what's true about ourselves as people made in the image of God? Or are we looking at what scripture says about yeah. what, who we are as believers and yeah. what scripture has to inform us on those issues? Like we need the right manual for the right task. And yeah. for Christians, it's the word of God. Yeah, I think, and this is, again, this is a something that could be a whole podcast in itself of how, I mean, that is kind of what we're talking about in this podcast. But if you have more questions about that, please let us know. Because yeah. as you can tell, Matt and I are passionate about that. But um, that's, so those are a couple of reasons why we need the sword of the spirit. It's God's spoken word to us. It's necessary for life change. And then ultimately, you can't grow closer closer to Jesus if you distance yourself from that truth source. So that's what we were just talking about. Like. Yeah. You need daily engagement and com- you need daily engagement with people and conversation with people in order to sustain a relationship with them. Um, okay, let's not even you don't even have to say daily engagement, I guess. But if you're my husband, Matt, and I'm like not talking to you or communicating with you, like <laughs> our relationship is going to be so distant from each other. And sure. so like with our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with the church, like we need to be going to our ultimate source of truth, which we just talked yeah. about is scripture um, to be communicating with the lord like god wants to speak to you like and he has and he has like that's the thing it's like yeah go ahead i'm just like we're, we're gonna say sometimes the same thing. sometimes it blows my mind and I, I can't i'm not saying this standing on top of my ivory tower like i figured this out i'm guilty of this too but i'm in a season in my life right now where this is not characteristic of me so i can just look at it and go like what are you doing but this is what i mean there's so many people i feel like that talk to me or Eliana, or i've heard over the past few years that are saying things like, I feel so distant from Jesus, or I can't, I, I don't know why I'm not hearing from the Lord. Yeah. My relationship with Jesus, I feel like there's such a gap between or us. I just can't, and I, I don't know what God is asking me to do. And I'll ask them, be like, okay, well, are you reading your Bible? And I'm like, well, no, I'm not reading my Bible. And I'm like, 
in my mind, it's like, how can you possibly think you can have a good relationship with the God of the universe if you're going to distance yourself from his revealed word to you? Yeah. Like he, he literally gave us this as revelation to us. Like people ask like, why won't God speak to me? He has spoken to you. It's yeah. literally open your Bible. That is God speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that if you just open the Bible to some random page, whatever you read <laughs> is going to give you an answer to whatever life problem you're yeah, dealing probably with. That's not. not how it works. I don't recommend that method as someone who's probably tried it a few times. Yeah. It doesn't really work. But what I am saying is the more time you spend in God's word, and, I, and I'll say, I'll go back to that daily thing. Make it a daily engagement. Yeah. The more you go into God's word, the more time you spend in his presence seeking him, the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate things to your heart that would have not been there otherwise. We need to get back into the practice of not reading God's word out of just some habit or just some way to check off a list, but do I have a longing and a mm-hmm. desperation for God? Yeah. If I do, it's only going to be found in his word. Yeah. It's only going to be found in prayer, um, which we might talk about in a couple weeks. Yeah. But it comes back to the Bible. What are we doing with with the Bible? Is it sitting on the shelf or is it something that we go to daily to be fed? Because God wants to feed us. And I think I can be discouraged a lot of times because I see people like, I would put you, Matt, in this category. Like you genuinely delight in like waking up in the morning and reading your Bible. And I like, I, to be honest, that like is very hard for me. Like, do I delight in it now? Yes. But are there seasons where that's had to just be purely like, discipline for me absolutely and like I'm reading this book in a woman's bible study right now and we were just talking about how like sometimes you have to like sometimes the Lord will have you do things out of discipline so that you get to the point where you desire it Mm -hmm. and you actually delight in it yeah and so there have been seasons of my life specifically in college when it was an academic thing for me to read the bible where I actually had to make it a discipline every morning with some girls on my floor where we were going to like going to read our Bibles together every morning mm-hmm. in the same room because I had to do it out of discipline because I just wasn't doing it. Yeah. And then I got to the point where I was delighting in it and I was desiring that for my daily routine. And so don't be discouraged if you're like, that just doesn't sound very fun to me. Like it might not, but you need to do it anyway. Like and that's the thing. It's not always fun. I'm glad yeah. here's a little, we'll get a little insight into our marriage real quick. I'm glad that my wife, Ileana here sitting across <laughs> from me, looks at me reading the word in the morning and and thinks that I just delight in it. Like it's just something that's so life-giving. But in all honesty, there are times when the only reason I'm reading God's word in the morning is because I'm desperate. Yeah. I'm desperate for God. Not because I'm so holy or pious, far from it. It's because I'm so broken and in need of a savior and in need to be reminded of who my savior is. Um, there are mornings when I pray to God and I'll say, Lord, I do not want to be praying right now. I do not want to read your word. It already feels dry to my heart. And that's Mm -hmm. me. Um, but I will promise you, and this is a absolute guarantee. It's more guaranteed than the saltiness in Morton salt. It is the most (laughs) important thing you're going to hear me say. If you read your Bible, if you spend consistent time reading your Bible, you will be changed. Mm -hmm. It is impossible and this is a guarantee, it is impossible for anyone to come into contact with the God of the universe and not be changed. Mm -hmm. If you're a Christian and you are seeking God in his word, there will be change in your life. Yeah, It's gonna happen. Um, And it's not necessarily gonna be easy because (laughs) change in our lives requires active obedience. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. So we'll read in scripture 
right? I can read all these things, how I'm supposed to treat my wife. And I, I just go, great, glad I read that. And I just- <laughs> Glad you read that this really morning. Really <laughs> mean to her. That's not what it yeah. is. I have to read it and I have to actually act on that. Yeah. But the word of God will change your life. It's a guarantee. Yeah, that's good. I think we hit a lot of different things there, but yeah. that's this is like the point of this podcast. This is so important. Like we need the sword of the spirit we need God's word and he's given it to us. Um, he spoke to us. He gave it to us to change our lives. And now we just, we shouldn't distance ourselves from that. We should run yeah. to him and, and read it. Yeah. And I think just kind of wanting to, the way we do all of these episodes, at least in this series is we want to explain why is this in the armor of God? Like there's a reason it's here. It's important. And one of the themes that we've gone through with the past few all the arm pieces is realizing these are not our things. These are things given to us, right? Salvation is not ours. It's of the Lord, right? Truth is not ours. It's, it's, Christ's it's Christ. truth. It's Christ's so righteousness. The Bible, righteousness. the word of God, it is not ours in the sense that we did not produce it. It has been given to us. It's for us. But God's word is the truth source, right? Why is this an arm piece? God's word's the truth source. And without it, we will not be equipped for battle. This podcast is called The Armory. Like We want to be a place where Christians can come and be equipped for the battle raging around us. Yeah. We want to provide encouragement and resources. And one of the things we need to understand is that God's word, the Bible, is his communicated truth to us, the truth. And without it, we will not be equipped for the battle of this life. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. So one of the things I love about being a Christian is that God did not tell me, hey, this is what you need to do. Now go figure it out. Mm -hmm. You're on your own. He left us the Bible. He left us this roadmap. He left us this beautiful guide where we can see from Genesis to Revelation, his redemptive plan slowly laying out to where we are in history and we can know for with a guarantee that if for anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they will be saved. And we know how to live righteously in a world that denies righteousness. We know how to live holy and set apart in a world that rejects holiness. We know how to cope with things like suffering and pain because we know that God is, is someone who yeah. identifies with those things because we see that in his word. But without that, as a Christian, if we aren't reading the Bible, this is gonna be a lonely walk. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be a walk that is fraught with disappointment and pain. Mm -hmm. um, because at least in my experience, God does not audibly speak to me. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, he doesn't encourage me audibly. He doesn't tell me what I need to do audibly. I have to seek his word, the truth that is so rich in his word, and it will change your life. That's why it's an armor piece, because this is the last thing we need, right? We've been given, we have righteousness, right? We have truth, we have salvation, but all of this is found in the Word of God, and we need the Word of God to remind us of these things. That's why it's an armor piece, and that's why it's so important. Yeah. And it's compared to a sword, because a sword is something that is a, a weapon of war. Um, I know that sounds kind of morbid, but that is what we have to stand with. What could possibly stand against the Word of God? Nothing. Yeah. So that's why it's an armor piece. That's why it's important. And I'm really glad that we had a chance to talk about it yeah. specifically as the last piece, which is not obviously something we planned, but that's the way it was written in scripture. I mean, so we love yeah. how it's there. I think too, like we don't need to camp on this idea for long, but there are people who probably have, are like reading their Bible every day who may be listening to this or like would say they spend regular time 
in scripture and they still maybe are like struggling to know how to apply it or sure. what it means for them. And I think the really cool thing that we also see in scripture is the establishment of the church, like capital C church, Jesus Christ believing churches. Um, and so we said that before, like if you're not in a Bible believing church, if you're not in a church that's preaching from scripture daily, then finding new church but if you're in a church that like loves the Lord, that is opening up their Bible, that the pastor, like when he preaches is opening up his Bible to speak to the body, like find a group of people in that church. Maybe it's elders or their wives or deacons or just small group leaders or other moms or wives or husbands, whatever in that church, mm-hmm. find a group of people that you can study the word with yeah. and like have them hold you accountable to acting it out or like answer some questions, go through a Bible study because I think we've seen this, like we've seen the church instituted in the book of Acts in scripture. And it just amazes me that like, like you said, God didn't just tell us to go figure it out. He gave us his word. And then he also gave us a whole body of believers to do life with together. Like you are not on your own. And if you don't have a community around you, like text us, message us like we can help you find a church in your area because that's 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 necessary for the life of the believer to be in a church so yeah i didn't want to i was thinking that i didn't want to forget to say that no well said <laughs> so let's see here before we go shall we end the way we normally end with the challenge we should i think so <laughs> matt and i kind of this is a more or less serious challenge than we've done in the past so <laughs> well now no one's gonna do it okay it's very serious it's this mandatory is life and death this is life and death. not like <laughs> scripture but here's our challenge you should <laughs> read a book from now when you're listening to this until our next podcast you have two weeks so we release every two weeks unless for some reason we miss it for some reason no but <clears throat> we release every two weeks i don't like reading naturally but we just moved. We got new library cards. I picked up this book that I really wanted to read, and I've been reading it slowly, but yeah, I've been have. reading it. You've been reading it. So maybe I'll challenge myself to finish that book before our next podcast. That's going to be hard for me, but I do think it. maybe I can Listen, do it. Listen, it doesn't have to be a big book. Reading is one of the best tools that we have to interacting with the world around us, whether you're reading about science, about literature, if you're reading something that's fiction, nonfiction, even if you're reading a book of the Bible, we'll allow it, a book of the Bible has to be long. Can't, you almost, can't, I almost was going to do that for a challenge. Can't be Titus. It's too short. Or type Philemon or any of those. It's got to be a, it's got to be some, yeah, a thick one. Do but one listen, of the gospels. Listen, it's not easy. Reading a whole book in two weeks, for some of you that sounds like the most daunting task, but it's called a challenge for a reason. It's challenging. I believe in you. You can do it. That's good. That's a good point. What? It's called a challenge because it's challenging. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. You know, if you, you would know that people if you were reading books. Yeah, that's true, probably. (laughs) Matt grew up reading a lot. You read a lot. I don't really read a lot, so it's good for me, though. I know it's good. Reading's good. Hashtag reading rainbow. Thank you for the reading (laughs) rainbow. Um, Okay, before we go, I will leave you with this. A little benediction from Isaiah 40, uh, verse 8. It's very short, um, but it pertains directly to the Word of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That's good. So I want to encourage you guys as you leave, just understand God's word is the most important thing you will read. It's mm-hmm. the most important thing you will interact with. And it is truly the way that we can help ourselves <laughs> reckon with this world, what this world is. 
And um, it's going to be a much, much better walk with Christ if you stay connected to the truth source, which is his word. So thanks for listening, guys. We will see you in two weeks. Bye.